Hi, welcome to Tamiwa Oluen Podcast. Thanks for downloading, and as you listen, you are guaranteed an encounter with the word. First Chronicles chapter 12, from verse 1 to 2. First Chronicles chapter 12, from verse 1 to 2. Now, these were the men who came to David at Ziglag, while he was still fugitive from Saul, the son of Kish. What does it mean by being fugitive? He was running for his dear life. Not that he couldn't fight, but David was just somebody that would not face an anointed person of God. Just like some of you that just like to fight people. You need to know those who are anointed and those who are cost. It's very easy to fight a cost man, you win. But you fight an anointed man, it's like putting trouble on yourself. Because even his mistake is a blessing. He was still fugitive from Saul, the son of Kish. And they were among the mighty men. Help us in the war. Verse 2. Hammed with bows, using both the right hand and the left in hauling stones and shooting arrows with their bows. So these were not right-left handed men or left-handed men. They could use both hands to fight. They could use both hands to shoot arrows. As far as I'm concerned, uh, I know how to use a rifle. I know how to use a push pistol, but I can't use it with my left hand. I use it better with my right. Some people can use it better with their left, but I'm more proactive with my right. But these were men that could shoot with both hands. They were Benjamin, Saul's bedroom. Now, you guess what happened there? They were not part of David's army. They were helpers that were working for the same Saul that wanted to kill David. But they disregarded their commander's order and said, this one will help him. Now, give me Ecclesiastes chapter 9. I start from verse 12 to 18. For man also does not know his time. Like fish taken in a crow net. Like birds caught in a snare. So the sons of men are snared in an evil time. When it falls suddenly on them. Sometimes you ask somebody who is earning a good salary. How the person got into debt. Nobody prepares for debt. It just happens. No matter how good of a food you eat, nobody prepares for sickness. It just happens. Have you not seen somebody that slept, went to bed, very healthy, very active, but just woke up in the morning and woke up with some kind of terrible pains that you cannot explain? I'm not talking of back pains. I'm talking of pains that you cannot explain. It says, this wisdom I have also seen under the sun, and it seems great to me. It wowed me. Verse 14. There was a little city with few men in it, and a great king came against it, besieged it, and built great snares around it. Verse 15. Now there was found in it a poor wise man. He by his wisdom, a poor wise man, such an attribute. You're poor, but you're wise. So that means we have rich, foolish men. You're rich, you're wealthy, but you're foolish. 
And there was found in it a poor wise man. He by his wisdom delivered the city. Yet no one remembered that same poor man. Then I said, this is Solomon. Then I said, wisdom is better than what? Better than strength. Nevertheless, the poor man's wisdom is despised. And his words are not what? They are not heard. Verse 17. Words of the wise spoken quietly should be heard rather than the shout of a ruler of fools. Verse 18. Wisdom is better than the weapons of war. But one sinner destroys much good. Give me another translation for that. Verse 18. Maybe the message or NIV. Another translation. Do we have it? Wisdom is better than what? Warheads. Let me see the NIV. NIV. Because I have NIV here. Let me see NIV. Wisdom is better than weapons of war. But one sinner destroys much good. Let me start my teaching this Sunday morning by dropping some powerful thoughts into your hands, just in case somebody is taking note. There is never going to be an hour where foolishness speaks louder than wisdom. That time will never come where foolishness speaks louder than wisdom. Number two, there will never be an hour where idleness speaks louder than skills. I'm intentionally saying this thing just in case somebody wants to run his destiny on another man's radar. There is never a time that idleness will speak louder than skills. There will never be an hour where fear speaks louder than faith. In the course of last month, I've taught you so much about fear and the application of faith. There will never be an hour where hatred speaks louder than love. And there will never be any hour on the planet heart in heaven where silence speaks louder than help. Because one of the major mistakes that a lot of us Christians make is that we think that salvation conquers the troubles of life. You got to follow me closely this morning. What many of us think is that, wow, that pastor was preaching so powerfully well. He said, once I give my life to Christ, the chains are broken. I'm out of captivity. The causes of my father's house are gone. As true as that man of God can be, that's not the work of salvation. Pastor, what are you saying? I'm confused. But I noticed things were like this in my family. But the moment I gave my life to Christ, all those things stopped. No, it wasn't salvation that stopped it. Probably what salvation did was salvation opened your eyes to things that you could not see before. Salvation told you that you shouldn't make friends with these people. Salvation told you that you should live your life this way. Salvation told you that you should meditate on the scriptures. And that was what brought about your success. So we sometimes think that salvation conquers the troubles of life. In fact, sometimes some of us hide under the truth of John 16 verse 33. Let's see John 16 33. John 16, 33. Like really today I came to teach. Amen? John 16, 33. 
He said, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have what? John 16, 33. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you would have what? With your salvation you have what? With your speaking in tongues you have what? With you being the prophet and the G of your church, you have what? It's you that killed Jesus everywhere. You are carrying Jesus all over your head. What will you have at the end of the day? Somebody is just like, let me go drop the Jesus now. In the world, you have tribulation. Because you've been a Christian, you are not off the planet Earth. You are still here. But be of good cheer. Another translation says, be of good courage. I have done what? I have overcome the world. Salvation does not exempt you from the troubles of life. But what does salvation do? Salvation is that ticket that helps you to ignite or effect a better relationship with God the Father. Salvation seals your relationship with God. So once that relationship is sealed, there's something salvation does. It exposes you to hidden secrets that brings about a triumphant life. You see why I said the day you gave your life to Christ, it felt like all the troubles of your father's house ended. It wasn't salvation that ended it. It was because the moment you gave your life to Christ, you were exposed to the truth. Now you know the truth. They said, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall do what? Shall set you free. So now you know the difference between light and darkness. So you decided to be party with light and pathway with darkness. So that was what stopped the troubles of your father's house. It wasn't salvation. So salvation brings and exposes you to that light. So, living a triumphant life also does not exempt you from battles. Because triumph comes from the concept of war. Triumph comes from the concept of war. You can't say you're winning if you were not done fighting. What makes you a warrior is not that you were sitting at home. It's because you came back from war. That's what made you a warrior. So living a triumphant life does not mean that there's going to be an absence of battles. But it means walking out of battles victoriously. Walking out of battles what? victoriously. That was why Paul gave us a very powerful statement that many of us are misquoting in Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 4 verse 10 to 13. Philippians 4 verse 10 to 13. Philippians 4 10 to 13. Okay. Can we have it on the screen please? But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care but you lacked opportunity. Now that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am. That's why I advise people when you're reading scriptures, don't just read the part that looks like an echo to you. Start from the top. Now, not that I speak in regard to my need, but I have learned in whatever state I am to be what? Content. Verse 12. I know how to be abased and how to abound. I know when to do low-key and I know when to show off. Are you with me this morning? Yeah. I know when to pretend and I know when to act. 
We know you have the anointing. We know you are called. We know you are a deliverance minister. But sir, they gave you microphone. Come and share the grace. Don't come and break chair. Know when to our base and when to our barn. Because you saw crowd, you wanted to show your gifting. I know how to abase and I know how to abandon everywhere and in all things. I have learned both to be full and to be what? To be hungry. Both to abandon and to suffer need. Now 13, which is what many of you quote and you quote wrongly. I can do what? All things. All things. Through Christ who strengthens me. I can do what? All things. Through Christ who strengthens me. So, Paul, having received in Christ, salvation settled. Salvation exposed him to factors and the favors that will help him to live a triumphant life. That's what he was saying there. That there is nothing that comes my way. I now understand how to run things and how to do things. I know how to abase. I know how to abandon. I know how to stay low. I know how to stay high. I know how to be content and I know how to be hungry. I am not against fasting. I am not against praying. Trust me, I do fast. Trust me, I do pray. But listen, when you get fully into ministry, there are certain things about ministries that you need to understand. They are called ministerial ethics. You have to understand that. You've done 94 days on the mountain and they gave you a microphone to come and preach just from the mountain. And you jumped on the stage and you started jumping up and down. Two hours you are still there. You have not dropped the mic because you are waiting for that every wind of the Holy Ghost. You will pass out. You pass out. Because there is a place of spiritual body and physical body. Your spiritual body wants to do it. But your physical body has not been trained for it. It's not been trained for it. So if you need to take a break, take a break. If you need to. If you need to have some refreshments, have some refreshments. I'm not talking about drinks here, but refreshment. That's why it says renew your mind. I promise myself that no matter what I say in church, I will never try to make it my sermon for the next Sunday service. Because that's what some pastors do. They hear that a brother and a sister were fornicating and they slept with each other. Trust me, he's coming to come and preach about something related to that. So that means you're not even inspired by the Spirit of the Lord. That means you are picking on people's errors, people's mess, to contribute to what you want to preach to them. If you're being guided by the Spirit of the Lord, in fact, in the midst of your message, they'll find light. In the midst of your message. So, his relationship with God exposed him to factors and favors that he needed to thrive in a troubling world. That's why I said I can do all things. So whether the economy is bad, I can still do things. Whether the situation is bad, I can still do things. Whether it looks like I'm sick, I can still do things. So we all need to understand that. That salvation brings about that possibility of walking out of virtues victoriously. Somebody say, I'm walking out of battles. Somebody say, we come and say, I'm walking out of battles. While preparing for this, I remember a nugget that I shared on social media. 
I think about two or three years ago. And I think I still made mention of it at a home training. That you don't fight with faith. Because that's the mistake many of us make in church. You don't fight with faith. Read your Bible back to cover, cover to back. There is never a place where it says you fight with faith. What are you supposed to do by, with faith? Your faith is actually supposed to please God. So you don't fight with faith. You please God with your faith. Because faith is a disposition. It's not a weapon for war. But it's a tool for peace. That's why it says in this world there will be tribulations. But I'm giving you peace. Why are you not giving us what to fight with? Why are you not giving us a weapon so that when this tribulation comes, we can combat it? But rather, he's giving you peace. Because you're not of this world. So faith is a powerful tool that sorts all spiritual engagement and brings about a physical manifestation. So faith does not help you fight the Egyptians, which some of you wanted to, but it can't. It can't. I really wish faith could fight our enemies. Then trust me, we would not even have enemies. But faith can't. It says the just shall do what? Live by faith. The justified. The victorious. The triumphant ones. The believers. The helped of God. They shall live by faith. Not fight with faith. Faith does not help you fight the Egyptian. What does faith do? Faith helps you to be still. Because faith is full confidence in God's word. Faith is a disposition. It's a perspective you must have. It's a culture. Faith tells you to be still because the Egyptians you see today, you will see them no more. Let me shock somebody with this. He said the Egyptians you see when? Are we together? The Egyptians you see when? Are we together? The Egyptians you see when? You will see them when? Did he say you will not see them tomorrow? Think about it. The Egyptians you see today, by this time tomorrow, you will see them no more. No, that's not what he says. He didn't tell you when you stop seeing them. That's why the scripture says that in the midst of trials and tribulation, keep persevering and keep building your faith. Because the disappearance of, Egypt, of the Egyptians is not something that you can put a time on it. It's on God. Myself and my wife was watching a video. I'm sure some of you might still stumble on that video. It's on Reverend Ulubio's page on Facebook. He went to visit his uh, spiritual father, Bishop David Oedipo. And uh, as Bishop was stepping out, you can have your seat. As Bishop was stepping out, there was this young man on Jalamia. The man kept saying all sorts of things. Bishop, you asked me to wait here. Please come and lay your hand on me. Things are not working for me. They are troubling me in my father's house. They've gotten me. They've attacked me. They are destroying me. I will die if you don't talk. The man kept shouting. Another lady walked by. I said, uh, Papa, I just want to show you this stuff. Papa took the lady and started talking to her. The guy just kept shouting. You could hear the voice in the vid live video. The next thing Bishop said to him was, will you shut up even if I want to pray for you? Like, won't I even know who you are first? 
And before Bishop said that, I said something to my wife. I said, if Bishop will pray for this man, it will change his communication. Because you are communicating wrong. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Not Jesus, son of David, open my eyes. That's a difference. Because when your eyes is open and there is nothing for you to do, you are still as good as blind. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. It means change everything about me. Because there are blind, prosperous men. Can't all of you see? Do you have 10 million in your account? You have eyes. My grandmother will say, you have eyes, but you can't see. Somebody beside you does not even know Christ. He's a millionaire. You, you now know Christ. Shingbei is not your account. So you see why he did not say open my sight. He said, have mercy on me. The guy kept saying all sort of things. Say negative words. At the end of the video, Bishop eventually attended to him. And Bishop said to him, he said, I don't need to lay hands on you. He said, you are the one behind your problem. Why? Because of the things you are saying. He said, why don't you speak light? He said, Papa, please just pray for me. Pray for me. They are attacking me. Bishop said, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. You know how he talks. He said, shut up. He said, speak, speak right word. Say, I'm, I'm helped of God. I'm blessed. He said, yeah, Papa, just pray for me. Just, just, my, the Spirit says, you should just lay your hands on me. He said, Papa said, I will lay hands on you. He said, but if you want to come out of it, look for materials that carry light. Because what some of us are looking for in church, you are looking for how to come out of that trouble, forgetting that the more you still exist on planet Earth, there will still be trouble. And can I be honest with you? There's a way you try to relate to the pastor enough. The pastor is human being. It gets to a point, the pastor starts avoiding you. Still the same yesterday, I saw a video of a particular young amazing minister in Lagos. He said he prayed for somebody and told the person, go to the hospital and let the doctors confirm you. You are healed. He said the, the guy went to the hospital and started bombarding him on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, everywhere. Pastor, I've gone to the hospital. Nothing has happened. I'm still sick. He got to the point the pastor started avoiding him. There is a disposition that faith places you that you have to understand. But that's not even my topic today. So faith helps you to be still. Because the Egyptians you see today, you will see them no more. So, I would assume that once I'm saved, I should no longer see Egypt. That's not the case. Beloved, you will still see them. But it's your confidence in the Lord that helps you to come out of that place of tribulation, that place of trials, and brings about that peace. That by this time tomorrow, I will see them no more. So what am I trying to say? There's a, there's, there's a level at which your faith is pumped up that you can draw the hand of God into a particular situation. Somebody say amen. amen. So there is no scripture in the Bible. There is no verse in the Bible that defines faith as a weapon. Never. Even if you want to quote 2 Corinthians which I want to expose you to. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Let's start from verse 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. He says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not walk according to the flesh. Verse 4. 
For the weapons of our warfare are not what? They're not carnal. But mighty in where? Is it in you? In where? In God. For pulling down what? Strongholds. Casting down arguments. That's why the more you feed yourself with faith, you remove yourself from the midst of those that are arguing about the things that God can do. Because what fear does is fear gets you to argue your circumstances. I've been in that shoes. Casting down arguments and every thing that exalts itself against what? The knowledge of God. Get this right just in case you're following closely. What is that thing that helps your faith to increase? The consistent intake of God's word. He said faith comes by what? Hearing. What is that thing that you have to hear? The knowledge of God's word. So there are things that try to exalt itself but cannot exalt itself. That's why the devil could only think of exalting his throne. He could not. That's why Reverend Samuel said that a lot of Christians are billionaires in the spirit, but paupers in the physical. Because when you are praying for money, just in case you are like me, when I used to pray for money, you know what I used to do? I used to pray for money like my life is Nollywood. I'll be praying that one day I'll be passing the express and I'll see four ganamos go inside the bush. And I will go inside the bush and pick it. And it will not be naira, but it will be dollars or pounds. Then I'll put it in my boots and take it home. Keep it inside the cupboard and be spending it little by little. I don't know if you dreamed like that. I can't be the only one. You dream like that? Okay. Where's the money now? I'm sure that money is still in the bush like Mr. Mutter. I used to dream like that. Sometimes some of you even dream of how much your helper should give you. Like you put the money in his account. Some include it in their prayer point. Father, as I'm going to Pitom's house today, Father, I know I need 50K, but Lord, I don't know how things can be for Pitom's. Father, in the name of Jesus, let him give me 250. In the name of Jesus, I connect my faith to heavens. I receive 250 from Pitom's. The God that answered by fire is my God. That exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Faith teaches you to obey. Faith teaches you to obey. Faith teaches you to obey. So rather... Pastor, what are you trying to say? Faith is an engagement tool, both for the physical and the spiritual. Faith is a standpoint. It's a disposition. It's a perspective. Once you have this understanding, it positions you for a triumphant experience, even in the midst of trials and tribulation, because they'll always be there. Let's not deceive ourselves. It will always be there. Challenging times will always come. What, if I, I told my uncle recently, I said what makes life beautiful is when there are battles. But some people don't like to hear that. They want life to be easy. 
What makes you run around your own house? Is it not when you saw a mouse or a rat? The same you were seated, crossing leg, nothing. I'm not saying we should feel a little bit of heat or, or cool. I'm not saying things should be tough or things should be hard. But let's just be, let's be realistic. Let's be realistic. That's what makes life beautiful. Life is a battlefield. If you've read the book by George Mayer, life is a battlefield. The moment you were born, you were born, you were, you were born for battles. You can't escape it. You can't escape it. Let's read 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. I want to show you something. To buttress the point that faith is an engagement too. It's not a weapon you fight with. Or you used to fight rather. 1 John chapter 5 from verse 4. Let's read verse 4. Just verse 4. It said, for whatever is born of God overcomes what? The world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our what? Our faith, our disposition. Did you realize that the more you kept saying, I'm healed, I'm well, I'm blessed, I'm flourishing. It wasn't like you took a tablet. It's not like you did something that made the sickness go. If you ask me to today, how did God take out asthma from me? I can't explain. I just know that I didn't see it anymore. That's why it says the Egyptians you see today... You will see them what? No more. You, you can't put a time factor on it. Because somebody's thinking, that, oh, he visited you and he just took it out like that. No. Did I still feel the symptoms? I do. Even sometimes my wife knows. I get a little bit tired and the devil tries to flash that door that there's still a little bit of asthma there. But you, you kick it out. How do I kick it out? With God's word. That's why they will tell you in a church like MFM, don't take rubbish. They cost you cost back. Ah, yeah, yeah. If we start that in THN, I'll be attending to so many matters. See, Pastor, he cost me and I cost him back. Okay, so what happened? Hey, it's my own cost that not happened. <laughs> Praise Jesus. The more you soak in God's word, the more your disposition gets better. That's the way you respond. That's why I teach you in this house that behind every challenge there is what? A celebration. As painful as a pregnancy stage could be, no true mother focuses on the pain. She's counting the days when the child will come out. She's counting the days. So the more I engage my relationship with God, the more I please God with my faith, I am given a word. Get that. I am given a word. Now, the, the, the challenge we have is many of you are trying to combat battles with your word. And that's why you are still being defeated. But pastor, that's not true. The moment the battle comes, I quote scriptures. You don't quote scriptures for battle. You don't. That could be what they could have taught you in the elementary state. You don't quote scriptures. You could quote scriptures like trying to build your spiritual life. But when you're combating battles, you declare God's word. That's the difference between quoting scriptures and declaring God's word. 
There's a difference. He sent forth his word. And what did the word do? It healed them of all their diseases. They were probably complaining of one disease. It healed them. That's the mistake we make. You're trying to pray and you're quoting scriptures. But you know that you're in the midst of battles. Declare the word. Jesus saw the storm. What did he say? Storm, be still. He was not trying to look for a verse in Psalm or in Chronicles that talks about storm. Have your say. That's what some of you are trying to do. That's what you are trying to do. You combat battles with God's word that has been given to you. How do you get a hold of that God's word? Yes, you can read your Bible and all of that stuff. Yes, you can pray. But listen, it comes from your faith relationship. The more you spend time with him, the more he gives you a word. That's the word that you take to combat challenges. Not your word. But his word. Because the spoken word of God is divine. The spoken word of God is what? It's divine. It's divine. Let's check back that scripture so you have a better understanding. I told you I really came to teach, so it's a whole lot I have to say. Let's go back to that 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Let's take it from... Um, uh, Let's do verse 3. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3. He said, For though we walk in the flesh, but do not walk according to the flesh. Verse 4. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in what? In God. So I want victory over strongholds. I want victory over trials and tribulation. It comes from God. Not you. Not you. So what am I supposed to do, Pastor? Let there be a full establishment of your faith relationship with him. Because he will expose you to it. He will expose you to it. He says, mighty in God. For doing what? For pulling down strongholds. Listen, my spiritual father will say, stop assuming that you have enough on the inside of you to pull down strongholds. That's the mistake we make. Say, that pastor is powerful. Once he lays his hands on me, the stronghold will stop. Who sent the pastor? I'm being, I'm being honest with you. One of the early things they would tell us when, when I was very young, going to church and all of that stuff, and they tell us in teenage church and children's church, they would advise most of us that feel like we have passion for ministry, you're going to be a pastor. They would tell you that once you're a pastor, make sure your wife is a prayer warrior because while you, you are up there fighting battles, your wife is somewhere taking away the repercussion. That's what they used to teach us. I'm sure they're still doing some churches. That the pastor must marry a very strong wife so that the wife will be taking the pains for him and the guy will be busy up here enjoying himself. You can't pull down strongholds. You can't. I wish you could. I'll never forget the day a pastor told me. He said, tomorrow, as much as you love peace, you can't bring peace in your family. Some of you are like that. I will settle this matter. Who are you to settle the matter? I will join them together. With what? That's why they did not say who the pastor has joined together. He said, what God? All that we do on stage is formality. The real joining is done by God. 
That's why one pastor will say, will say, the pastor can conduct the wedding. It's God that really ordains the wedding. Because all we do here is just ceremony. Say, yeah, do you take this man as your lovely beloved husband? Yes, pastor, I do. Do you take this woman as your husband? Yes, pastor, I do. Oh, yeah, exchange the ring. Pa, 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 pa. Now, I present to you, Mr. Ami. God is just in heaven smiling. Say, who joined them? I've watched movies. And movies come from real life events. After the woman was done, four years, the one prophet looked at her, just like Jesus told the woman at the well. All the men you've married, they are not your husband. Even the one you are with currently, is not your husband. And believe you me, I'm sure they were joined in the temple. Somebody joined them. And everybody jubilated. You all had the rice. You bought Ashwebi for a wedding that God has not joined. You cannot pull down strong gold. Let me say it again to your hearings. You cannot. Spend 72 hours in your prayer altar. You cannot. If God does not bring it down, you cannot. He said, if the Lord does not build a house, everybody that joins cement, gravel, granite, inuring, everything, you will, you just, see, it's as good as just be sleeping and don't join them. That's why you hear fathers of faith tells you that, that they'll tell you that don't speak against any man of God. If it's God's ordained, even if it started on the wrong path, God knows how to correct it. God is the holy one that can fix a foundation without destroying it. It's the holy one that can get back to a foundation without destroying it. Because somebody would think in his biggest mind that, ah, this guy has been so terrible. No, God should destroy everything and start all over again. It was the same God that said I would destroy the world, yet he preserved some people. The same God. Think about it. Think about it. So I'm helping somebody here, just in case you've been praying all night, doing vigils upon vigils because you want to break the song in your father's house. It's not your place. If God has not given you the victory. Listen, the Bible says, if the Lord has not given you the, the, the key to the city, you see, forget it. That was why the first thing I did when I came back to this city, I laid my hands, my two hands, my media guy that was with me that drove me down from the airport. I laid my two hands at the express, Togate. And I said, Lord, if you've not given me this city, help me not to start. That was my prayer. That was my prayer. My wife knows. We get into a place, the first thing we try to do is to pray. Sometimes she will speak in tongues. Sometimes my wife will tell me a thing. I'll tell her, let me go and sleep about it. Because if I say I should pray, there's a tendency you are praying because you want that thing to be yours. But once it's off your mind and you just go to sleep and it just visits you, you're good. Amen? Amen. So the spoken words of God are divine. Those are the things that combat strongholds and demolish them. So you keep losing because you've been speaking your word, not his word. Because his words are divine. Now I'm getting to my teacher. His words are divine. His words are powerful. His words are spirit and what? And life. And also I've come to realize that his words are filled with wisdom. Daniel chapter 2 verse 20 to 21. Let's see Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2 verse 20 to 21. He said, Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever. For wisdom and what is his? Wisdom and might are his. 
it changes. I love that scripture. I love it. When I saw it, I was like, wow. Wow. It changes the times and season. Are you the one that changes the time and season? No. It changes the times and season. It removes kings and raises up kings. Just in case you think there is a powerful man or powerful man in your mother's house that is tormenting you. In, maybe they, are, they are queens and kings. He will remove them and raise another. He gives wisdom to the wise. And knowledge to those who have understanding. He gives knowledge to those who have capacity. That's why one time I told my wife, I said, there are some things I will not pray about. I said, the Lord has blessed me. I'm not talking in pride. The Lord has blessed me with so much of his capacity that I just know how to function in those certain things. Somebody has said, Pitons, how do you do this thing in ministry? I said, I, I, by observation, I observed. In the midst of the observation, I was acquiring knowledge. At worst. So I did not just jump here. Like they will say, there are some things the Holy Spirit will tell you. There are some things even God expects you to know yourself. So just give say, oh, Father Lord, uh, 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 let, let, me, let me give you a this here. Father Lord, you thank you for this vision. Thank you for this idea. I'm about to start a business. Uh, the business is uh, buying and selling, importing and exporting. Lord, I give you praise. Thank you for giving me the name. Rose of Sharon, Ventures, International, blah, blah, blah. Listen, it's not God that will help you arrange table and chair. It's not God that will tell you that for your business you should have receipts. You will be a fool to be running a buying and selling business and you don't have receipts. It's not God that would give you a name. It's not God that will now come and tell you and say, go and register your business. Listen, if he gave you Rose of Sharon, he gave a thousand people Rose of Sharon. Hey. It was my lawyer that said that to me. He said, I'm supposed to stop saying all those rubbish that God gave you the name. Is spiritual. Some of you are under that shadows. God gave me the name. Nobody will have it. Baba, once he gave you that name, take a bold step. Go and register it. You'll be shocked. Just like the prophet said. He said, if you want to die, fine. There are 70,000 prophets that they have not even done anything yet. And they have the same capacity as you. They say, Father, Lord, I thank you. Nobody has that name. In fact, some people, please sit down. Some people, when they are sharing vision with you, they are sharing a vision in such a way that they are the only ones that heard it. I feel many people like that. They are sharing vision with you. They make you feel like it's so spiritual. Pastor, I'm just so grateful. In my prayer room, I was, I was on a 76 days marathon prayer. But on the 55th day, the Lord gave me a word. Wow, what word? Ba, 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 ba. And the Lord said we should start something. It's going to be a powerful work in the nation. In fact, the Lord said through us, it will turn the nation upside down and rebuild the nation. Wow. Powerful vision. The Lord said, through us, it will raise the dead. Okay, okay, okay. What's the name of the ministry? The Lord gave us a powerful name. Alpha and Omega Interventive Ministry. Wow. Somebody feels that is the only one that God gave that name. The day I was shocked was the day I was sitting with a pastor. And I asked him, I said, wow, the name of your church sounds very nice. I like it. He said, that's not the name God gave us. I said, so why do you not use the name? He said, when we went to register the name he gave us, somebody else has used it. <laughs> that was what gave room to a lot of pastors registering their ministry name with their name. I'm telling you the truth. We wanted to register this church as the Haven Nation Incorporation. 
the Avian Nation Incorporation. So CAC replied us back and said, we can't put incorporation in front of church. I said, but Christ Embassy did it. He said, uh, whoever did it for Christ Embassy, he must have been the Spirit of God. I said, let the Spirit of God do this one too. My barista said, Pastor, stop it. He said, stop it. He said, is it that you had international ministry, or you put church, or you put evangelical something? I said, okay, just put church. Just put church. And I've had friends that, that, that try to do the same thing too. I had friends that tried to do it. They tried to register. If I won't give me a name, that name was a ah, very sweet name. But CAC just disappointed him. CAC said, how, how did he even put the name? I think something else shall die something. CAC was like, the name is too spiritual for church. I should change it. May you not have battles with CAC. Somebody will not understand this now, but I'm helping you. Say, apostle is a vision, a strong vision. It's generational. Okay. In fact, it's gotten to, to a point in the US now that people just name their church according to the street. So if the street is challenge, say, challenge ministry. If the street is adore your ministry. Because by the time you go register it, you're having battles there. And somebody's still priding on it that God gave me the name. He gave a thousand other people. He gave his word. And his word healed them. One person was probably the one crying. And the healing was extended to everybody. Have you heard about anointing by extension? One person was the one that prayed for it. And it's extended to every other person. It changes the times and season. It removes kings and raises up kings. It gives wisdom to the wise. And knowledge to those who have understanding. Now give me uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 16. 9, verse 16. I want to show you some things about wisdom. Then Solomon said, Wisdom is better than what? Wisdom is better than what? Strength. Nevertheless, the poor man's wisdom is despised. And his words are not heard. Now give me James 1 verse 5. Very, very popular scripture. James 1 verse 5. James 1 verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom. Because there's a possibility you lack it. You don't get wisdom in school. I carry masters. Does not mean you're wise. I have PhD. Does not mean you're wise. I've seen foolish PhD holders. In fact, they just sent one away from my grandmother's house. PhD in sociology, hoeing house rent for three years, all his life drinking and everything. He was sent away. My uncle said, who PhD help? Where you cannot be house rent. <laughs> I used to take first position in my class. We are many here. Maybe some of you need to interact with some bus drivers and bus conductors, and you hear English. I'm telling you, you'll be shocked. You'll be shocked. I've met several ones. They'll tell you, analyze things for you, tell you this, tell you this, tell you that. Ah, where did you finish from? Oh, I, I came out first class, uni lawyer. I came out first class, uh, University of this, University of Ah, why are you doing this? Ah, Nigerian economy. If any of you lack wisdom, growing up as a child, I'll always remember that I used to have friends that when, when they look at me and tell they say, they'll say, Olunye, what you just said now, there's no sense there. There's no sense. Say, just keep quiet. And that happens to some of you that always feel 
that sense of you want to belong or you don't belong. So you always want to contribute into every affairs. And at the end of the day, you are saying foolish things. The worst people to have conversations and arguments with is people that are talking about Premiership, La Liga, and UEFA Champions League. See, you will shoot yourself on the leg. If somebody is helping you to analyze March of 1996, when did they burn you? Well, think about it. Think about it. Somebody is comparing how a particular player played in 2002 World Cup to 2022. Are you You're not sat there? You are arguing. You that you only started watching for 2019. You are not joining him and saying, no, it's not true. He's a leg winger. He's a right winger. He... Wait, the person that is playing. <laughs> Sometimes when they're having that discussion, I used to stay on my lane. Because I knew when I started watching, and there's even thing, start watching football and understanding football. There's a big difference. Day somebody told me and said, someone said, someone said to me, say, ah, he said they should switch Asleko from three to seven. So in my mind, I was looking at Asleko. I said, ah, he's wearing number three. Oh, the person mean that should change his jersey from number three to seven. So that's how I joined the argument. I said, no, number three fits him. Person said, what are you saying? What number three? He's playing three. How many of you have heard people talking with numbers? He plays three. They should switch him to seven. I said, why would they change? I said, ah, Pires, Roberto Pires is wearing seven. Leave him on number seven. Let this one number three. He said, tomorrow, what are you saying? Like three is left back. Seven is a, a winger. I said, left back, winger. I was confused. When I first got to Babcock and they said, pick a sport team you want to join, instead of me to go stay on my lane on athletics and say I can run, because they were telling me you can run, you have long leg. I said, no. I said, this is, this is the time to show them I can play soccer. You know when you've been playing soccer in your dream, you think you can dribble. <laughs> so that's how I joined. I said, soccer, I can do soccer. In fact, there were two occasions. Let me just tell you before I finish my teaching. So I joined the soccer. They told us to come for. Uh, practice where they will pick us. Team one, team two, team three, and all of that stuff. So I got there. The coach looked at me. He said, all of you jog around. We jogged. Where are your kids? I've gone to buy kids. Foolish me. He said, okay. You, you, you. Where do you play? One said, I, I play ten. I play this. They were calling it in numbers. When it got to my turn, where do you play? I said, I'm striker. <laughs> <laughs> He said, what's your number, striker? Like, because there are three numbers for strikers. Either two numbers or three numbers. I'm not too sure. He said, you are striker. Strike what? He said, he said are you forward or striker? I said, striker. It's me that wants to be scoring. <laughs> hey. You know, when, when wisdom is looking at foolishness, it just keeps quiet. I kept babbling. I said, I can strike. I said, sir, if they cross the ball from here, I can nod it. I said, good. He said, that means you are forward, not striker. I said, no, sir, if they cross the ball, I can nod. I said, I want to be in front, in front. At the end of the day, the guy said, okay, Olivia, go and play four. Hey, wait. I was not asking those guys. I said, which one is four? <laughs> Praise God. Wisdom. Someone say wisdom. wisdom. If you lack it, ask. 
If you lack it, do what? Ask. Final story. Same Babcock. Maybe you kicked me from soccer. Let me go back to athletics where I feel I belong. Listen, let me tell you something. Secondary school is never the same as university. And university is never the same as real life. It's, ne- it's, 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 it's different things entirely. So I went back to the coach. I said, sir, they kicked me away. They said that I cannot play. That I'm not even qualified for substitute. He said, so which, I said, you must do a sport. Which one do you want to do? You want to do fans club? I said, I can't do fans club. It's filled with ladies. I said, let me come to athletics. I used to run for my school. He said, run for your school. What do you used to run? I said, I used to run long distance, one five, eight hundred. He said, wow, I like that. That's good. He said, so what's your, what's your time lapse? Like, how can you, 100 meters dash? I said, I can finish 100 meters in, in 10 seconds. The guy looked at me and said, even Usain Bolt. <laughs> He said, even Usain Bolt, let me show you his record. He said, can you beat this? I said, yes. You know, sometimes you are watching some things on TV, you think you can do better. That was how they put me on the track. I don't need to tell you the end of the story. Your pastor failed. (laughs) Complete, as in, I I, I was disgraced. If any lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Who gives to all? It's not looking at your tribe. It's not looking at your wrongs. It gives to all liberally, without what? Without reproach. And it will be given to him. Pastor, times are hard. Things are really bad. It's like the enemy caught up with me. I'm speaking somebody's mind. My debts are much. The pains are much. The sicknesses are much. Pastor, I'm not a fan of you talking about wisdom and all that stuff. It's not going to help me now. I need money. I need to take care of things. Let me start by saying this because today's teaching is talking about the gift of loaded men. And I'll speak more better. Maybe during the Wednesday service. True wealth is not the acquisition of paper. Mr. Motor, can you hear me? True wealth is not what? The acquisition of paper. True wealth is the possession of people. If all you have is paper stacked up, it doesn't make you wealthy. But when you have people, and when I mean people, I'm speaking from the positive side of things, good people, that's true wealth. There's an adage in Yoruba, very, very popular adage that you all know. In fact, some folks have composed it as a song. If I sing the song now, somebody will record it and they'll say that's what the pastor was singing. So let me come off the altar and sing the song. But I'll tell you the hadith. The hadith does not say Owulasho in your or something like that. It said in your lasho. Am I right? Because my Yoruba can be shaky. Who can speak it very well? Who is? Who understands? Any of what? My wife is not even, we're on the same level. He says, in your last time, you're covered by people, not covered by money. 
Are you all not the one that David Osan? I'm trying to remember. That's the legend. I don't listen to secular songs. Who can remind me? Uh, say, money will finish. Or something, something like that. Don't worry. If you sing it, you are not a sinner. Just, uh, huh? Can we sing it, please? You are not on the altar. You don't have wala. Eh? Uh huh. Okay, don't sing the other part. Money will finish. But what brings about more money is people. So, when we're talking about the gift of loaded men, you see why I'm stretching on igniting a faith-based relationship so that you can be exposed to wisdom, which is the tools that you might need to understand to combat the trials of this life. It takes us back to scriptures that tells us that wisdom is the most principal there. Look at James chapter 1, verse 2 to 5. The same James we read. Let's start from verse 2. I intentionally now want to start from 2, from verse 1 to 2. It says, my brethren, count it what? Count it what? Let's echo it together. Count it all what? All joy. When you fall into various trials. Verse 3. Knowing that the testing of what? So if there's no faith, there's no patience. If there's no faith, that's why you commit suicide on time. If there's no faith, that's why when you are home, you are not going to bank to borrow again. That's more debt. I was a victim of that. Some of you borrow to carry out a vision. There is nothing like that in the scripture. God gave me an idea. You went to borrow. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces what? Patience. Verse 4. But let patience have what? It's perfect work. That you may be what? In the midst of trials, you are still perfect. In the midst of trials, you are still complete. Lacking what? So even when in the midst of trials, your money finished, you are still surrounded with people that will help you bounce back up. That's why when I was going through my financial challenges, the Holy Spirit, I, I kept praying. I said, God, these are hard. These are tough. But the only thing I kept hearing in my spirit was, Tomorrow, do not sell your phone. That's why I laugh at people that are going through so much and they block everybody on social media. They don't want to talk to anybody. Nobody can reach you. Nobody knows your house address. Listen, if there's anything that will help you bounce back up, it's the people that you surround yourself with. I visited my grandmother and my uncle was telling me a very sad story and I'm sure some of you saw that story on Facebook where a man was found dead in his house. He's been dead for like three or four years and they found the skeleton. I told my uncle, I said, definitely he did not have people. My uncle said, you're right because his wife is in Portacot. His daughters are outside the country. He's the only one that has been living in that house for more than five to ten years. In fact, they found beside him Quartam, which is a, a medicine for malaria. They found his laptop, they found his phones and everything. By the time they were charging the phone and looking for contact, they could not find a single thing. They were just seeing numbers he has dialed. They could not even tell who is who. Are you that person that you are going through the turmoil of life and you start deleting people? Listen, 
Our trials are too much in church for us to be looking for each other. So do us a favor. Let's keep fellowshipping. So the more we fellowship, then we'll know who has problems. Then we'll help each other. I'm thinking of how to pay my school fees. You want me to come to your house looking for you? But think about it. That man more than likely will have survived because for you to find quartem, that means he was battling malaria. He would have survived it. My grandmother said, was he living inside the bush? He said, no. That there were houses surrounding him. That even his car, grass has almost covered the car. For three, four years. They said there was no sign that the skeleton was strangled to death or anything. They have people. Sit down. It says your patience will have its perfect work. That you may be perfect and complete. Lacking nothing. Nothing includes people. Nothing includes, includes what? People. Despite all that Job passed through, God kept his wife. The children gone. But it was, now, if there's something about Job's story that you guys don't understand, let me help you understand. What brought about the restoration of Job was not because the Lord told the devil, oh yeah, enough is enough. No. What brought about it was God told Job, if you want your stuff restored, pray for your brothers. And these were the same brothers that told him to curse God. These were the same brothers who told him to despise against God. There is so much emphasis on having people around you. Both the good and the bad ones. You need people. You need people. Have you not seen on this planet at where you know the person that is doing you, but the person is still accommodating you? Because the person really wants to do you, so he's accommodating you. And you, your own issue is just accommodation. Now the person is accommodating you. <laughs> Are you getting something? The answer to your difficulties, it's in the bosom of another man. Someone has the answer to your financial hardship. Someone has the medicine to your challenging health. You need to know that the formation and the empowerment of every man is never the same. That's why I keep telling you, stop treating everybody the same way. We are not the same. We are not the same. I said that before, Pastor Debo walks in here. I know all of you's attention will go to him. There's a protocol in this church. That once any special guest comes in, they have to notify the CEO. Then the CEO notifies the pastor before we can bring the person forward. Believe you me. I know my protocol. Pastor, the way you're walking here, they will put him on my chair. They will never ask me. They will never ask me. In fact, everybody in that media will come out to be sure. Is it Pastor Deboye? All men are not the same. Whisper it into somebody's ear. Say, we are not the same. Say, say, say it. With, say, let, tell the person, say, we are not the same. We have the same father. Somebody is not helping me to whisper. Whisper well. Check, remove the hair drop in the person's Say, we have the same father. But we are not the same. We are not the same. Don't play merity with some people. Don't. Don't. As excited 
as Rebecca was. She understood that she was carrying two nations, one that was loved by God and one that was hated by God. Certain men are conveyors of strategies. Maybe on Wednesday I will expose some of you to some of you to that. Certain men are conveyors of strategies. Certain men are conveyors of ideas. That's why I've been advising you since the beginning of this month. Pay very close attention to your space. Do not just put no entity around you. That's the reason why you're stuck. As a popular thing that says, show me your show me your friend, I'll tell you who you are. You want to be a medical doctor, you are always in a babbing salon. You end up a baba. You end up. You end up a baba. You want to have a good marriage, but 247 on your life. You are waiting for Jesus Lover to post somebody that is cheating on her husband. Listen, your husband will do the same thing. Because the way you are celebrating somebody else on Jesus Lover that is cheating, that's the same way they will post your own too. Then somebody else will sit down and celebrate. Sometimes I just, I, I, I just have that admonition. We are the doers of ourselves, not the witches and wizards. We are the ones doing ourselves. We are the ones doing ourselves. You know what you want. But you are not engaging with tools that can bring about what you want. Certain men are conveyors of wisdom and wealth. Certain men are destiny-boosting resources. If you have them in your space, they can boost your destiny. What made me pass Waeka Neko? Hey, way I'll never forget. My mom saw the way I was going crazy. Now, with the way this boy is going, after I was done with school, they brought a lesson teacher from a public school to come and be teaching me. Even the very first time I wrote common entrance, I did not write common entrance like most of you did. Where was I doing my common entrance training? UI. A professor was teaching me mathematics. You must know it. They taught me some tricks in mathematics that I'll never forget. Square root, board mass, this, this, that, this, this, that. See, put some numbers together, I can tell you the way to hard and Man, the guy, was teach the guy said what I'm teaching is university standard, and I'm just going to GS1. By the time I recommend entrance, my auntie was so eager to know what was my score in mathematics. Me and my cousin, we had 97. In mathematics, common entrance. That alone, they felt that we were going to be the most serious student in that school. Forget. If that was the school, I was going 41, 42. My mom looked at me and said, ah, what happened? Was it that you just did well in common? Certain men are destined boosting resources. See, loaded men are destined helpers and life givers. Did you hear what I just said? Loaded men are what? Destined helpers and what? Life givers. I'll never forget one thing that drew my attention to Christ and mercy. And I'm sure some of you might have encountered the same thing. What's that thing Pastor Chris always tell you about Christ and mercy? He said, we are a church that will give your life a meaning. I knew what I wanted. But I was not getting it in all those Pentecostal churches until I got there. A part of me feels that if I want to be a pastor, that means I must wear a suit all the time. If, if I, can I be, it's my wife that is always making me wear a suit. Left to me, 
I'll come to church with Jesse and Jean, short nicker. If I show you some of my diaries I wrote, oh, I want to be dressing to come to church. Short nicker, Jesse. Every, see, not that I just want to do big boy for Jesus. Like, one time my wife told me, he said, I said, baby, we have to change some of the rules in THN. Uh, we have to stop church workforce, uh, workforce member from braiding their hair. I said, they are free too. You can braid it. He said, no, ah, baby, you corrupt some people. You know, some people's faith have not gone. I said, we are going to the same heaven, braid. I said, even if my instrumentalists want to use earring, let them use it. I said, go to the, who said glory to Jesus? <laughs> Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. My wife said, this is where you are coming from. Where you are coming from, they can redeem all that stuff. I said, ah, in the U.S., you see keyboards, tattoo, everything, open chest. I've gone for a youth conference before. I, like, I was, I was, the pastor was dressed with, like, singlet, armless, and he came to preach, and all of us were under the influence of the Holy Ghost. So I told my wife, I said, that's how I want to be. He said, don't try it, though. Don't try it, though. Just be the suit you are wearing, just be wearing it. Sometimes I feel like taking this off, and she's like, Baby, just wear it. If I got to a point, she said, Let me be picking your clothes for you because be the way you are going, you don't know people are looking at you. So when I got to Christ's embassy, I realized that everything that I felt I knew about spirituality and Christianity was wrong. Some of you might need to still take a trip there. That's one church I know for a very fact in Nigeria that brings scriptures to life. Not presenting scriptures to scare you. I asked the question at the home training on Friday and I was so glad, I'm just so glad that my workforce members got it and they told me exactly the truth. I asked them a simple question. I said, who fears death the most, believers or unbelievers? Can I be honest with you? It's believers that fear death more than unbelievers. An unbeliever knows he will die one day. A Christian is not ready to die. And they hide under the shadows of, I shall live, I shall not die. If I say that prayer here right now, I know how your amen will be. You shall not die in Jesus' name. No, so if you don't die, what will you not be doing? No, ask yourself. 180, you are still here. Doing what? Tell the person by yourself, you will die one day. <laughs> there is something, it's like something choked your mouth. Like, eh? the, 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 the pitons just said that you will die one day. No. It is appointed. Who will die? You know the reason why you are scared of death as a believer is because you are not sure of your works. You are not sure of how good your works is. That's why you have a lot of ministers that get your attention. Have you noticed that people don't paint too much of how heaven looks like? They are paying more emphasis on hell. 
And what some people have now failed to realize is that hell is not existing right now because the keys to the gate of hell is in the hands of your Savior. So your Savior is still the same person that will open hell. That's why the devil is not there. The devil is not in hellfire. Somebody feels the devil is in hellfire. He's not there. He's going to and fro. He's not there. So it's believers that fear the most. Believers, they fear the most. And they get you all the time. Each time I'm in the house and I'm talking to my wife and I'm just talking and just talking, my wife is so Christian. Anything dead, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Stop, 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 stop saying it. I said, baby, we'll die one day. Even at old age, some people are still not ready to die. I'm telling you the truth. If I say what I'm about to say now, Somebody will say, hmm, Pastor, me, I don't, I doubt it. Oh, hmm. Let me just keep saying amen to I shall not dare you. See, it's what you're scared of that eventually overcomes a man. What you're scared of, that's what overcomes a man. So if you're still scared of death, then your salvation is not sure. Did you hear what I just said? If you're still scared of death, what did I say? Your salvation is not sure. Let me bring this to a close. We'll continue on Wednesday. Loaded men are what? Destiny helpers. And what? Life givers. A close attention to your space helps you to identify and embrace the gift of loaded men. Wisdom tells you that in the midst of challenges, check your space. Wisdom tells you that in the midst of trials, persevere and participate. True men are loaded men. Empowered men are eager to contribute to the flourishing of your destiny. So, please ask yourself the kinds of men that are in your space. Are they eager to contribute to the flourishment of my destiny? Because the truth of the matter is that loaded men are necessarily not money givers, but matter solvers. Because somebody in his head of head thinks that, oh, I need, a loaded, I need loaded men in my space. They'll be giving money. No, sometimes they don't give money. They help you solve matters. And now this is a very, very tough mystery. Only somebody with enough capacity can note this down and run with it. The best place to locate loaded men is not when things are blossoming. Loaded men are located in the midst of difficulties. So I keep telling you, if you're running away from trials, then you're running away from your helpers locating you. All those men were serving Saul. How come they showed up for David? Was that not the same David that was part of Saul's army? But they saw that this man needed help and they showed up in the midst of the God. So I say to you that loaded men are best identified in the midst of difficulties. Loaded men are victory influencers. They are not after your defeat. They want to influence your victory. Loaded men are faith boosters. They boost your faith. That was what my spiritual father did during the COVID period. He kept pumping faith. He came up with elevate with PB. 
What was he doing? Each time he comes online, people sing, he has interviews with people, and at the end of the day, he tells the interviewer to pick random people. They send some people $1,000, some people $2,000, some people $100,000. They keep sending like that because some people just need some material things that can help them boost their faith. That's why I tell my wife, I say, sometimes I see some people and I'm just like, give this person 100K, give this person 10,000 It's not that I'm using the money to buy you, no. But I just realized that if you get some physical freebies, it could change your perspective a bit. It could. Like they say, if somebody is going to feed you, you look at what the person is bringing first. If somebody is going to clothe you, you look at what the person is wearing. Loaded men are joyful containers. Nothing around them emanates sadness. Listen, if you have friends around you that each time you are going through a down moment in your life, they are crying with you, kick them out. Kick them out. Some church members sent me a message. They say, say, Pastor, I've been trying to read you. I heard this, I heard that. You're not responding to my call. I'm like, I will respond to your call if you want to give me money. If you are calling me to ask me what happened, how it happened, how I'm doing, how I'm not doing, no, you are not helping me. I need someone that will come. Say, ah, Pastor, I heard what happened. Take new shoe. Take money. That's what I want. And that's just the honest truth of life. Not that I try to despise anybody. You go and visit a pregnant woman after she gave birth. You are now asking, how did the baby come out? Are you a fool? Someone passed through pain. Your brain should tell you you should go there with gifts. You're not asking, where did the baby come out from? Did you raise the two legs? Did he come out with the leg or the head? No, he came out with the stomach. Even my wife sometimes makes fun of me. She said, baby, let's go and visit this person in the hospital. I said, let's go. He's like, I want you to go with her. I said, no, she be sick. There's nothing I can give to him he can take now. She said, no, baby, she's not done. When you're going to visit someone, just you go with beverages. And I said, person that is sick, you want to give him bread? He said, just go. The more he's seen the middle on the table, he will get well. <laughs> In fact, can I be honest with you? Even sick people that you go and visit, when they see you come empty-handed, they get more sick. It's the truth. Someone like me will fall sick. You are not coming. He said, Pitons, we heard you are sick. We just came to pray with you. The Lord strengthen you. The Lord is your strength. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll be praying for you, sir. We're praying for you. God bless you, sir. We celebrate you. We love you, sir. Bye-bye. See, I'll be more sick. I'll be more sick. Come with food. Tell me you paid my hospital bill. I'll be excited. I'll be excited. Do things that wow me. Ensure that your space is surrounded with joyful containers. People that can pump join to you. You lost a contract. The person is telling you, oh, I'm on your contract. I will give you one contract. I have the number to this person. That's what you want. Not the ones that say, eh, you lost contract. We must find out who is behind it. We must dig, we must go to the foundation. This thing is spiritual. See, don't bother helping me check if it's a spiritual attack. Let's solve this situation. Let's solve it. Let's solve it. Stop asking too many questions. When they told the prophet that they've lost their, they've lost their, their, their axle, that it fell into the water. Nigerian prophet, who was using it? Whose hand touched it last? What, you, what are you people doing in the river? Your mates are in school, you are going to river. 
In this economy, your mates are doing Bitcoin. You are river, river coining. Of all things, to test my anointing, it's Axel. Your mates are saying, Papa, come and pray for us so we can make millions. You are telling me to pray for you to see Axel. What did the prophet do? He asked them. He said, where did he drop? He didn't ask too many questions. He said, ah, prophet, you don't want to know who, who, who used it last, though. He's that guy. He said, no. That's why me, when you come to me, I don't ask you how the problem started. I ask you what's the way forward. Because if I ask you how the problem started, that's creating more problem. Because we will never get to the solution. Surround your space with joyful containers. And I close with this. Loaded men are identified by the light they radiate. If you have friends around you, you have colleagues around you, you have family members around you that do not radiate light, they are not loaded. Darkness cannot give light. Light cannot give darkness. Nobody can give what they don't have. Loaded men, they do what? They thrive on your faith to give you rest. They do what? They thrive on your faith to give you rest. If anybody has been close to me in THN Church, you realize that the folks I try to help or the folks that I'm intentional about and I do stuff for them are those who are always positive with their words. I could tell that with or without me, they'll get the job done. Those are the people that I focus on. Or somebody who comes to me and says, ah, Pitoms, I'm trusting God for a car. Uh, things are hard. I didn't really have a job. But if I can just have a car, things will get better. I, really just, I don't help those people. I help somebody that tells me that they will get the job done with or without a car. That's the one I want to do something for. Loaded men. They thrive on your faith. Your faith is what you believe. What you uphold. Why did you think the angels spoke into, into, uh, into uh, the infertility problem of Abraham? Because they could tell his faith. Even in faith, Abraham had faith. That's what the scripture says. There's so much to say about the gifts of loaded men. Because the revelation that the Holy Spirit dropped to me. I don't want men. I want loaded men. Because men are gossipers. Men can't help. Men too are helpless. But a loaded man has nothing to lose. A loaded man comes with joy. They are destiny helpers. There are people that will help your destiny and nothing about them will shake. A good example of a loaded man, I will say to Jesus come, my spiritual father. Even in the midst of challenges, he's helping people. And he's not losing anything. Sometimes I'm just wild. I'm just wild at the way he does some things. And I told my wife, I said, that's just one person I want to follow. I want to copy. Just, just wild. How, 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 how do you explain it? Your baba, you give your baba a brand new car. How? What is he babbing? Just think about it. An amazing brother came here the last time. 
to minister. Uh, permit me if I can mention his name. And he shared his testimony with me. He said, I was trying to get a contract, a loan from a bank, and they needed a collateral. And the collateral must be in billions. Ah, where will I get it from? He said, they went to PB and said, Baba, this is what's going on. He said, but I've thought about things. I've thought about things. Baba said, what do you want us to do? Ah, he said, Baba, I don't know who will give me this collateral. He said, should I give you the deeds of Koza? I'm sure there are some things they'll say to you. You first and say, did I come with jazz? They handed over the deeds of Koza to him and said, take, go and use it to collect the loan. You know what that means? If the loan fails, they take everything that belongs to Koza. That's a man of God that knows that he has nothing to lose. It's given by God. It cannot be taken away. I've not gone into that level. If you need collateral, we'll pray for you. Just in case somebody is thinking that Pete Thompson is just like his father. Pete Thompson, I need collateral. Me too, I need collateral. Amen? Amen. You think it's only you that want to better your life? I need collateral too. Loaded men are not envious of your success. In fact, they want you to be more successful. So just in case you have a friend around you that you cannot tell your success, you need to block them out. So much to say. So much to say. But let's leave it here. Let's put a cap on it. Be on your feet. We believe you have been blessed by this audio podcast. And we never like to close without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Would you say this prayer with me? Dear Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart today, and I am making you the Lord of my life. Amen. Congrats. You are now a child of God. Thank you for listening and downloading Tamiwa Oluen Podcast. We want to take over nations for Christ. Partner with us today by visiting www.heavennation.org forward slash donate. Kindly subscribe to get update of new messages and share with your friends and families. We love you and we celebrate you. Thank you.